Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Breakfast today is dedicated Le'ilui Nishmat Malka Lecha Bat Esther Rachel Moshe. It should be an Ilui Nishama, and this is obviously uh, the week of her, uh, of her Petira, so uh, her Nishama should be Zochet to tremendous Aliyah Bishmesh Mekedem. Okay. Today is uh, the week as well of Kobu, is dedicated in loving memory of Sami Sayed. Shalom sponsored by his son Isaac Sayed. Rabotai. There's a very interesting expression that comes up numerous times in this week's parasha. And that is the concept of Vayim Maher. Let's talk about what that means. Vayim Maher. And she hurried. And she brought her kad, She took her kad. Her, uh, what's it called? Her uh, 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 pitcher, her jug, off of her shoulder. What do we see from this idea of Vayim Maher? Vayim Maher teaches us that a person is supposed to do every mitzvah that they do. Bizirizut, running. Now, I just want to point out something uh, Rabbi Avi Shulman talks about. And he says it, and he says it in a beautiful way. You know what he says? He says, you know, some people think that zirizut in a mitzvah means to run. Eliezer, we know, is traveling at the will of Avraham Avinu. He travels from, uh, from Avraham's house to go there. And what is the Avkifisut? Haderech. The road goes very quick. They travel much faster than you would have imagined them traveling. And I think that there's something here which is very, <laughs> it's contrary to what you might think as an example. And that is that a lot of people think zirizut means that you're running to the mitzvah. But actually, many times, that's not what zirizut means at all. So let's go to the Gemara for a minute. The Gemara tells us, zirizim makdimin mitzvah. Someone who's zariz, they make a mitzvah early. For many, many, many years, first of all, the classic example of the Gemara is that when you do the mitzvah of milah, so when do you do the, the mitzvah of milah? On the eighth day, first thing in the morning. Recently, there's become a tradition that people, they want to make the brit milah, they want a lot of people to come, they make it in the afternoon. I was at a brit milah where they were rushing to make sure to not get it before shkiah. So let me ask you a question. I don't know when exactly this minhag developed, but it's clearly not the right minhag. Now, it's true you might get more people, but you showed that the mitzvah, you're willing to push it to the last possible second. So let me ask you, the idea of zirizin, making it first thing in the morning, that means you rush to the mitzvah. Some people think zirizin also means when you're running to a mitzvah. I, all the time, I'm running to shul. That means very zariz. No. That means you woke up late, Rabbi. <laughs> Instead, you come late. even if you come on time, Mark. Even if you come on time. If I get up 7.20, 7.29, I leave my house, and you're rushing as fast as you can, and you get to the bit midrash 7.30, that's it, he's in the mitzvah. I was rushing to the mitzvah. No dib. That's, you woke up late, so your rushing was only trying to fix how late you woke up. Okay? So rushing to get the brit milah done before shkiah, because you pushed it to start right before sunset, that's not zirizi makdimin. That shows that you're willing, actually, your last consideration was the mitzvah. Your first consideration was your party. The, the priority is a little bit mixed up there. Because the whole point of the party is to celebrate the mitzvah. So maybe that's not the right way to do it. You understand? Now, again, my point here is not to bash. My point here is not to bash, uh, what's it called? Uh, people who are doing brit milah late in the afternoon. Ah, hazaku baruch. You did the mitzvah, you did it the right way, you did a, a big party. Great, fantastic, I love it, magnificent. 
What I want to point out is the sometimes cockamamie way we approach our thinking about mitzvot. Look, I'm rushing. No, you don't, you're not rushing. You're not rushing to mitzvah. You, you, you didn't plan, so now you're rushing. And I want to talk a little bit about this idea. We know that Eliezer says that the woman that uh, says to him, you know, uh, I want, he wants to drink. The woman that says, not only am I going to give you to drink, I'm also going to give you camels to drink. That woman, she's the woman for Yitzhak. We spoke yesterday about the fact that that showed an element of chesed, of kindness, uh, on behalf of Rachel. So what exactly was the kindness that it showed? What do you guys think? Because I think that most people get this wrong. What was the kindness that he was looking for? Fushatra. He said she fixed, she fixed a meal for the animals. That's the point, right? One might think that, or that she has kindness for animals. That's what Eliezer was looking for. He wanted to make sure, look, you, fed, you gave me the drink, you gave my peoples, not only that, look, shuf, you, she fed the camels. I saw something magnificent. Eliezer was not looking for kind-heartedness towards animals. That's not what his prerequisite was. Rather, he wanted to see how Rivka thought. What happens? She hurries up, she brings the jug off of his shoulder. She tilts the jug for who? Eliezer drinks from the jug. Eliezer wanted to see. What's she going to do now with the rest of the water in the jug after I drank from it? She, she going to bring it home to her family after I drank from the cup? Who knows who this guy is? Who knows what kind of germs he's got? Maybe he has corona, exactly. Maybe he was the first person to have corona. Yeah? So she can't bring it home. What is she going to do instead? Spill it out. But then you make the guy who you just gave the drink from think, I think you're a person who carries germs. I'm not, I'm not willing to take this water home to feed my family. What does Rivka do? She says, do you, does the animal need to drink? She poured the water from Eliezer directly into the trough of the animals. So on the one hand, She's stuck, she can't bring the water home. On the other hand, she's stuck, she can't pour it out. Let me see the sensitivity of Rivka. Let me see the creativity in how she's willing to look at someone else's feelings. And if the answer will be, let me feed your animals, because that deals with, number one, the, the tension between taking care of your family and making sure they're safe and taking care of the, feeds, the needs of the guest, if someone is able to dance between the raindrops that way, that woman is the one that I want. Not, maybe she's a tree hugger. Maybe she's busy, you know, uh, taking care of stray dogs. That's the wife of, no. The wife of Yitzhak is someone who could think about the sensitivity, who could be wise in her kindness. You know, we say, the Torah hesed al leshona. We say, neshet chayil. And Rav Matasyahu Solomon used to teach, he said there's chesed, which means kindness, but there's also Torah chesed. There's a Torah, there's a learning of how a person is supposed to approach the, the elements that involve chesed. Rav Matasyahu Solomon, alava shalom, was one of the great leaders of our generation in Musar and in character development. Mashkiach in Lakewood. There was a young boy, unfortunately, he was seven years old, and he lost his father child is devastated he has uh, doesn't have his support doesn't have his role model he feels like uh, his, his gut he's been gut punched 
You see, the rabbi, although he has a tremendous schedule, he comes to visit the boy to pay a shiva call to a seven-year-old boy. He sits down with him, and he says, uh, I heard you lost your father, the boy's heke, like in uh, space. He says, I also heard you're seven years old. The boy says, but Matisiao leans into the boy and he says, you know, my father also died when I was seven years old. Why don't we form a club, you and I? We'll call it Club Seven. And there's really only one rule to be in Club Seven, and that is if anyone in Club Seven calls anyone else in Club Seven, they have to answer the phone. Anytime you need to call me, he says, and talk about it, because you know not a lot of people know what you're going through. You could call me, and uh, because I, we're in the club now, I have to answer. Look at the sensitivity. He doesn't just say you need anything, call me. That's what everybody says. Like, listen, if you need me, of course, call me. You know, everybody says that. The whole world. If you need anything, second, I'll drop every day. Of course, I'll do. He comes up with this idea to make the kid feel like he's unique, to make the kid feel like the rabbi is going to understand specifically what he went through. That's Torah Chesed. So Rabotai, many times a person with a little bit of forethought, it's not just that they do the mitzvah, but they're able to elevate the mitzvah to epic proportions. A lot of people said the same thing to the kid, but didn't get through. Rav Matisyahu Salman got through. Rivka understood how exactly to treat somebody, so she's able to, uh, to do things in, in, a, in a magnificent way. You know, there's a beautiful concept, I think, that comes out of this. This idea of forethought, giving forethought to a mitzvah. And in fact, there's a custom that many people have of saying before uh, a mitzvah, they say, L'shem yichud. L'shem yichud for the sake of the unification of God's name. And you know what? I don't know. Do you say this before you do every mitzvah? Do you say it? I don't know. I don't say it. You know why? And you know what I always said to myself? Shlomo, you're a dip from Lakewood Cheder. You know, all of a sudden you're a Baba, Kaaba, Kabbalist. You're uniting the names of God. Right? This is who you are. And then I realized something magnificent. And I realized this idea from the Chafetz Chaim. Saying L'Shem Yichud is not only for Kabbalists. The Chafetz Chaim writes an unbelievable piece of advice. You want your prayers to be magnified a thousandfold? I have a great piece of advice. You want to hear the advice the Chafetz Chaim? Make your tefillah a thousand times better? I was like, wow, this is amazing. Right? Unfortunately, right there, the Chafetz Chaim's book cut to a commercial. Back after these messages. I hung on long enough through a commercial for dandruff shampoo, and then the Chafetz Chaim was back. And he tells me, you know what his idea is in his sefer? To increase your, your kavanah and tefillah a thousandfold. He says, before you say the beracha and the amidah, stop and think. I'm about to say the beracha of Rifainu. If ever there was a letdown, I thought maybe he's going to give me a name of Hashem to say. He's going to give me a sefer to read. He's going to give me an insight to tefillah. No, listen what he says. Before you say Rifainu, think I'm going to say Rifainu. Before you say Barachenu, think I'm going to say Barachenu. It sounded like such a silly piece of advice, Mechila. So, I'm going to say it. So before I say it, I should think that I'm going to say what I'm going to... The answer is absolutely. Absolutely. 
And by the way, I tried it and it works. Because when you're plodding through motions, there's no thought at all. So half the time you're praying, Amida, you're not even sure how you got to where you are. Right? I used to say in, the, in what's it called? In, uh, in Birkat Amazon and in the Amida, there's wormholes. You know what a wormhole is? It's a theory that in space, you could go in one place in space and come out in some another place. I think, you know, sometimes you pray and you're like, there is no human possible way that I could already be Amodim. And then I realized that there's wormholes because in the middle of Barachenu, there's words that are the same as right before Modim. Right? So you, get, you went from there like shoots and ladders, Yani. You got to 37, it took you down to 6. You got to 7, you took a ladder all the way to 80. How many times have you prayed Birkat Amazon and you say, Baruch Atamonai, I said that already twice. You know? <laughs> it's crazy. Just the thought, what am I about to do? And I think that the L'Shem Yichud, even without the Kabbalistic inferences, just the fact that you say, I'm ready to do a mitzvah to say from the Torah, what is that mitzvah? The mitzvah is to count sefirah. The mitzvah is to give tzedakah. The mitzvah is to honor my parents. That forethought allows a person's mitzvah to be elevated a thousand times over. There was a, a woman uh, uh, the, who was a rebbitzin of Rav Mordechai Weinberg. And she, they were in a camp, one of these camps in the summer, in the Catskills. Hazi, you know what happens? He passes away. And um, they, they all going to get up in the Catskills and leave to go to Montreal. So they're traveling to Canada from this place to go and bury Hazit, this guy, Rabbi Mordechai Weinberg. Tell him to stay for Kaddish. We're going to end now. Okay, what happens? Uh, everyone is packing up. They're all going to the funeral. The Rebbitzin says, the cars pack up. They said, we have to go now. We need to drive. It's very far. Everyone, you know, we don't want to delay. She said, I can't, not yet. She's moving around, playing with this, playing over here, coming there, writing. They said, what are you doing? We got to go, the funeral. You know, still, she's writing, she's dealing, she's this. Until finally they said, Ma, just, you know, we got, have to leave. What are you busy with? We'll leave it, we'll take care of it. You know what she said? She says, I can't leave to the funeral of her own husband. I can't leave. She says, we forgot to tip the waiter. In the camp, they have young men that they come and they, you know, they do waiter in the lunchroom. And at the end of the summer, you give them a tip. But they, she said, we're not going to be here at the end of the summer. How can we leave without tipping the waiter? Her husband just passed away. The family's nudging her to get in the car to go. To go to where? To go to the funeral. And what's she thinking about? A tip for the waiter. You know, when a person lives life in a conscious way, when they're present in their life, things don't happen to them. They make things happen. A person can relinquish control of their life to all the things that happen to them, or they could be in charge of their life. And I think what we're learning over here is in a moment of stress in a moment of being taken up with something, Rivka has the fortitude, the mindset to be able to think carefully and be able to uh, uh, do the right thing with everyone's sensitivities intact. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen. Amen. Rabbi Chananya Ben Akasha Omer. Ratzah